0: Mastery is defined as achieving the highest level of skill and knowledge in a particular field or activity, but what isn't very well known is that the mastery of anything is a journey, not a destination. My name is Jacob Panisi. I'm the fitness director at Millsap's training facility. I'm joined with Brian Johnson, the head trainer at Millsap's training facility. Together, we created this podcast to be your guide as you navigate the journey of mastering motocross. Welcome to MX Mastery. All right, welcome to another episode of MX Mastery. It finally worked out so that we got Jordan Smith on our podcast. You finally invited me. It's finally invited. We invited you from day one. You you could have been our first guest if you played it right. Coulda. What you did. The guy says,
1: "Oh man, I want to co-host. I want to be on it all the time." Then when it comes down to it, sorry, I got to go to the beach. Sorry, <laughs> I got. Dude, I'm at the pool. Yeah.
0: I'm doing rehab yeah. today and <laughs> swimming. You know, get my tan on. Yeah. But, I mean, its I'm sure the people listening are, I don't know if relieved is the right word, but we definitely, your name comes out of our mouth at least once an episode. So, to finally get you on to have a conversation, maybe put a face to the name and, and you know, hear your side of some things, I think is going to be really cool. Yeah, so definitely. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yep. Thanks for inviting me. Finally. <laughs> yeah. So, can we get like a, a quick little update? You know, whatever you want to share. Obviously, you missed the last few outdoors i mean do you want to talk about what's going on with your hand or is it yeah uh yeah i just um
2: i fell training uh the weekend uh, or the week after high point uh we were riding on tuesday and uh, i fell had to bail off of a jump caught some pegs on and some ruts and uh went down like right on my hand kind of punched my wrist to the ground and um sprained my wrist and my thumb pretty bad and had to spend a couple weeks in a cast and uh then a couple more weeks in a brace and just got out of that so uh yeah maybe another week and a half two weeks before i start riding
0: so with that timeline obviously we're looking at probably super motocross or are you thinking you're going to try to come back and race an outdoor too yeah
2: i think that the plan is probably just to be back be trying to be 100 for the super motocross
0: be ready for that because even though you haven't been racing you're still sitting pretty good in those in those points aren't you
1: uh, i think you ninth or tenth maybe yeah, but you won't even not racing there's not many people that can really catch you is there
2: yeah i don't think so i think jacob just passed me and then uh yeah i think that there's maybe like one or two guys that can but like they have to do pretty good at these last
0: few outdoors yeah, so I guess time will tell. I mean, hopefully you just kind of sit where you're at for the super motocross. Yeah, once you get to... back to like kind of where I'm at, like one or two spots
2: isn't, a, I mean, it could be a huge deal. You never know what one <laughs> point can do. Yeah. But it is only one point per position once you get to this spot. So um,
0: it's not as big as like going from first to second or second to third. Right, so you're looking, you're looking pretty good right now. Yep. Cool, so I always like to ask people um, that come on, you know, just how did you get to MTF? Like, what did that path look like for you? Did you know somebody that trained here? Were you kind of not really scouted? But would you mind just letting us, you know, <clears throat> tell us a story on how you got introduced to MTF for the first time? Yeah. Uh,
2: so, kind of a long story, but uh, we'll start from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> I uh, basically I was re- uh, trying out for Loretta's one year. Um, I think it was in 2006, I believe, uh, and it took me, I was in 65, five, seven, nine class, and it took me three regionals to qualify for Loretta's. We were going from my house in North Carolina, we went to Gatorback in Florida, then the next weekend we went to, I think it was Dutch Motorsports Park in Michigan, and then drove from back to my house, and then from there went the next weekend to Broom Tioga. Uh, where's Broom Tioga at? is that new york new york yeah yeah. Yeah. so like three really long travels in a row and yeah and like i should have made it a gator back but i got in a first turn pile up last last moto radiator hose popped off bike blew up and then uh was in pretty good position in michigan rain mud moto last moto had to pull goggles second turn and didn't make it there and finally made it the last one not without crashing like three times in one moto <laughs> and making it interesting but anyways i went to loretta's that year and i finished fifth so to qual- to take three regionals to get in to and then to finish fifth so the next year we we're going to the first regional and my dad we we're like on our way there and he says uh so listen here if you make it in both your classes in both classes you want to go to at your first regional then uh i'll take you to get lessons anywhere you want and he said I don't remember this really, but he said that I was like even MTF and I, I don't even remember how I heard about MTF, but apparently I knew what MTF was. I was on what, what year was that?
1: I was in O seven. Yeah, and I think about that time we were probably almost the only facility. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe one or two popped up since then, but we opened in O three, you know, and I don't Maybe know. they
0: weren't full time either. Yeah. You know, like there was probably camps going on or yeah, private coaching.
2: Yeah, and my dad, like, whenever he's saying this, you know, he's like, oh, "I'm gonna save some money by getting him to, you know, like, <laughs> go to, you know, get in the first region. We don't have to travel to another one. All this stuff." And uh, he's like, you know, probably like $150 weekend class with like Jim Chester, Jim Neese nice back in North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, qualified at um, in both my classes. And uh, regionals are usually in June. So we, uh, my dad looked up MTF classes, and they ha- I was on a 65 at the time, and they had a 65 camp before Loretta's. I don't know how far before Loretta's it was. And, um, yeah, came down for that. Uh, that was my first time at MTF. Um, still remember it. Brian made me cry on the figure eights. Um, I've heard yeah, this story, yeah. but I don't remember it. But, see, uh, there's, there's a, here,
1: Why'd you crawl? I, I do remember a little bit about Jordan <laughs> when he came and, what was it, that table single in the back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, we were, it was next to like this practice whoop section we had and stuff. So he, he wanted to do it and we talked about it and, you know, I was like, okay, you can make it. And then he took it to like, probably needed third gear quarter throttle to make it. And this guy. Fourth gear yeah. wide wider. open. <laughs> <laughs> he made it probably double the distance so. and yeah. didn't,
2: just kept going straight back to the truck because I blew out the wheel whenever I landed. <laughs> but <laughs> it'd be uh, it expensive. Yeah. So I mean, I I mean, as you know, and Brian knows, like I'm pretty competitive. Like I like to be good at whatever I do. And uh, we were on the turn or on the figure eights, and I was not very good. And <laughs> I was trying my hardest, but Brian just. Wasn't good enough for him. Well, was he shit talking uh, you? No, 165? I don't really, I don't really remember. I don't really remember. I think he was just like, you gotta do, like you know. Yeah, you know. Him, he was probably and, sitting back, yeah, clutching. My elbows were down. My <laughs> leg was dragging for sure. All that good stuff. Um, and yeah. So, uh, but then went from there. I went to Loretta's. Uh, well, I think that Colleen talked to my parents like at at the camp and said something to them like, uh, like, you know, I think. I think your kid could be good. And they're like, are you talking to the right parents? Like, are, you, are you sure that you got the right parents in there? And, uh, so, um, yeah, I think, uh, they were doing What Red Bull was doing like a, a scholarship to MTF back then. You remember that?
1: Well, we, we did have a thing with, with Red Bull and there was kind of a program we had with them and we made it where we could pick one or two people. Um, and they would help him, yeah help, help the him a little, out a little bit, and, bit and and you know colleen saw something special in jordan and you know obviously every camp we have we sit down we talk about the things you know in jordan you know same jordan he is now um if you ask him to do it he maybe won't totally believe you but he'll try it one way or another and he might crash doing it but i think that's the biggest thing colleen saw in him you know if you asked him to do it he was willing to try you know and and crash trying and and you know, that's hard to find in a person that, you know, in one day or two days believes in you, trusts you enough to try whatever it is from, you know, we did, back then when we did 65 camps, they were full day, you know, from nine till five. So long we could, days. yeah, long days, you know, two days in a row. So they were very long days. And, and we touched on a lot of things from turns to whoops to jumping to rollers, you know, so you kind of saw every, about that rider where their weaknesses were their strengths were and you know obviously he had a lot of weaknesses but the biggest strength was you know that he was willing to do whatever it took and and you know try anything and put anything out there you know so I remember that still to this day you know Pete Brewington was still involved and you know we sat down and you know Jordan was the the one that that we wanted to help you know and Colleen Obviously was the big push behind that and sat down with your parents and it's kind of where it started. I think
2: yeah, I think from I, I got I mean I was only I Think probably whenever this was happening. I was 11 maybe maybe not even 11 yet.
1: Yeah, it was probably you're probably I think you were 11 yeah, and then you yeah. you, you but I was be, AMA ten. And, yeah, and then yeah. you were going to be twelve when you know in February yeah, of the next February, year. Yeah, yeah.
2: so I like, I was pretty young. Like, I don't remember like obviously my parents probably didn't have me like in the conversation fully, but you know, like from my parents they you know it's like my my dad's dad was always like telling them that you know like he could have tried out for I think the like he was a pitcher and could try out for the Yankees and his dad didn't let him like go to the tryout or whatever and like my dad was like that's never gonna happen you know and so they're like well talk to colleen and and i think at at first they didn't really know like what like what it was about like being a full-time member here and they were like you know we can maybe bring him down for like see if school will let him out like one week out of the month and like so he'll be here for three weeks and then go to mtf for a week and colleen's like i like I appreciate you trying to like, that's not yeah, how it works. That's like, not yeah, it's more of mind. like full time, maybe like three weeks here one week at home or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So there, and I remember like it from like then until it happened was like two days and they're I was getting pulled out. So everyone's like, all my friends at school were, like, what, where, where are you going? And I was like, going to ride their bikes. Yeah, you because know?
1: like that time of year, it's transitioning from Loretta's to your first day at school. You know, pretty much leaving Loretta's and going back to school. So it happens pretty quick, even yeah. though we weren't probably opening up until, you know, th- two or three, two weeks. Yeah, know, I but. think
2: I was, like, in sixth grade, and I was in, like, a month into sixth grade whenever I, like, got pulled out and started training for Minios, And, yeah, it, uh just snowballed from there. I mean, just my mom moved down, uh, I think, at the beginning. My mom and my youngest brother, for sure. I think my middle brother was back home with my dad for a little while. And then he got homeschooled for like six months and then um, ended
0: up moving back. He didn't like being homeschooled. So. Could you tell, like, you know, obviously in the moment when you were that young, you probably wouldn't have been able to tell anyways, nor would they have shown you. But looking back, do you remember any, any times it would have told you that it was tough on your family to have you come here and, and train full-time? Like, was it hard for your parents to be a part or for your brothers to be apart? You know, was it tough for you to make that transition? Mm-hmm i don't really remember like too
2: much like as far as like i would say like emotionally or anything like that uh i'm sure that it was like tough on my parents because my dad would try and come down like every other weekend like because my dad's a golf course superintendent so like he usually works you know monday through friday and then every other weekend he works saturday and sunday so like he only gets every other weekend so his off weekends he was spending friday driving here like he would go through my bike on saturday And then drive back home to North Carolina, which is a seven and a half, eight hour drive. And he was doing that, like, every other weekend. And then eventually, like, it was, that was too much, you know. So then me and my mom were in the shed doing top ends on my RM85 (laughs) through FaceTime with my dad. (laughs) It probably wasn't even FaceTime back then, actually. It was probably just through the phone. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was definitely tough. But I think more, like, was just, like, financial-wise, you know, like,
0: for my family, it was tough financially, so. So now, so you're a new dad, which is cool. I think, you know, it's it's really cool for me that we're going through this kind of transition in life together. We both have daughters that are 10 months or younger. Um, how old is Blair exactly? Uh, Do you know? She's going to be nine months and eight days. Nice. What a good dad. He knows. Yeah. Now, could you, obviously it's very early and she's super young, but can you put yourself in their shoes a little bit? Like what if Blair was like, hey, I want to go away to this training facility for... <laughs> For motocross or golf or you know, who knows, you know, what it would be, but can you kind of put yourself in your parents' shoes a little bit better? Does it change your perspective at all? No, I mean I can't imagine that. <laughs> I definitely can't imagine that. Yeah.
2: Especially like
0: I think like at
2: the time, like you don't really realize as a kid because like you don't feel like whenever you're a kid, you don't feel like a kid, you know, but like if you see like eleven year olds like now, I like, as an adult, like if I see an 11, like how
1: old's Cooper? 10 and and that's what i was gonna say jake's 13
2: yeah like, and know, i started geez. living at like my mom uh, was at mtf with me until i was i think 14 years old so like they're 10 and 13 and like i can't imagine like myself at that age like what i was doing i can't imagine that you know like of of them doing that i, I or know something. i always talk yeah. to
1: even my kids my mom my mom or my dad and You know same thing like what my dad did for me you know similar things like it was just such a grind for what they would do from working to driving you know and the the racing you know we raced so much back then and you know they would work so much and then get our bikes ready so i mean i guess probably when i was sleeping it seems like and then they were up at 5 a.m working and you know then Work on your practice bike, then you're driving twenty hours to Pennsylvania and back home for work on Monday, and you're like, as a kid, it was just kind of normal, you know. You rode in the passenger seat, and that's all you knew, and you slept. Yeah, you slept while they drive, and now you like Mm -hmm. look back at it, you know. I don't think you really appreciate it until you're past twenty, you know, and you start, you know, living life a little bit more, and you know, for myself, you know, even past I think when I was racing and get a, you know, I would say a, a. job you know that it requires a little bit different you know that you have to be somewhere at certain times you know and and eight to five and doing things a little bit more and then adding that on top of it it's just crazy what you know i think a motocross dad especially puts into the sport you know well not just a dad right a motocross family a dad yeah, family. and mom you know because right the mom had to sacrifice just as much you know amy was mm-hmm. here with him you know trying to learn how to do a motorcycle you know try to do a top end like you said you know my what wasn't FaceTime? he's probably next tell bleep bleep you know what are you looking at yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh absolutely yeah, i'm taking mind. terrible <laughs> pictures through the phone and sending it is like yeah. is this is this it yeah <laughs> is this the thing yeah, this yeah. Where the we cir- got- is this where the circlip goes and then next thing you know you're out there riding and you blow it up and you got to call chuck and be like dad we must have done something wrong right because <laughs> yeah. we've been there too you know me and davy mm-hmm. growing up and doing top ends and you know, we did the same thing. We had to change our oil. We had to do our filters. So, you don't put the filter on right. Boom! You blew that bike up. You forget to mix the oil, or you mix the oil wrong. You blow that bike up. You know, and it's it's lessons learned along the way. But they're expensive to you know a family that's you know. Yeah. I can say, you know, I wouldn't say lower class, but in in this sport, sometimes I would say. You, you know maybe you as well was were in the lower class as far as being a motocross racer you yeah, know sure. definitely not lower class if you were just a normal person but when yeah. you when you have to start spending money on you know motorcycles travel 500 weekends hotels you know food you know top ends bottom ends tires and all of that you know it makes you kind of feel like you're in in the lower class because you're you're str- struggling scrounging you know in every way to try to pay for it
0: dude even just talking to tj today he, he blew another radiator yesterday and he's like since i started riding outdoors which has only been two months he's like 1200 dollars deep or 1800 dollars deep in radiators yeah. like just radiators yeah you know I think, and that's not even the only thing that can break i think too like
2: as a kid like whenever you do grasp that like how expensive it is and like if you don't get everything that you want or that you need for racing like it makes you like for me, if I got a I got a ride with a team, like my first like I, I had Suzuki support on eighty fives and stuff, but then Suzuki went away and they kinda came back, but it like wasn't very much and um like I was gonna be getting on big bikes pretty soon and we uh, met some some guys from uh Fair and PR two and um like kind of a perfect timing for me is like right as i was getting off of super minis and getting onto big bikes and like if we wouldn't have met them like i don't know if i could have like kept racing like at the level like if i would have had the equipment to be able to do what i needed to do to eventually get the geico ride and you know all that stuff because four strokes were so expensive you know like we were barely getting by at times with two stroke stuff and then you blow up a four-stroke engine and you're four thousand dollars out or what? you know mm-hmm. it's expensive so um yeah i mean i i was fortunate enough to um meet the right people at the right time and um and also like put in like i knew that i had to put in the work because that was the only way it was going to work right was me be able to to get those sponsors
0: i mean and you're you are like, at least around here and with Brian and myself, you're known, you know, and to Colleen and obviously in your family, you're known as a guy who just, you work really hard and you're very focused and obviously you're very competitive. Does that, is that something you've always had or did it, did it come from one of your parents? Is it something you had to learn? I mean, I know you said earlier that you're very competitive on the figure eights. That's why you're crying, you know, getting all worked up, but you're just, you just work really hard. And I think that's a lot of why you're successful is where did that come from do you think i don't know i mean
2: i've kind of always been like that like from a kid like my dad will tell you like as a kid like if i lost like me and him are playing something like if i lost i didn't like get mad and like quit or something like i wanted to play again like because i wanted to beat you you know i wanted to like figure out how to beat you and that's like just a lot of people think that i can just do everything like yeah, I'm just talented at everything, but I'm really like not, I just, if I'm not good at it and I want to be good at it, I just figure it out, you know, like I do it until I figure it out. And, but you're
0: good at not just like the big stuff like dirt bikes and, and <laughs> sports, like you're good at the weird little shit. Like my friends back home used to call me the minigame champ, foosball, ping pong, darts, whatever it was. And you can't touch me in any of it. And when I got here, <laughs> I met the real minigame champ, but I mean, you elevated me in like the the way that I approach things. Um, but it it goes
1: back to you know like i'm pretty good at ping pong myself but marty's better than i am but (laughs) we had a ping pong table when we were growing up right so we played it a lot very competitive you know don't let him fool you he has hours and hours on a ping pong table we had one here for a while Mm -hmm. you know so it's not like all these little things that he's really good at like he's very good at golf you know how many Times did you walk a golf course when you were eleven years old? Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I just he, like he said, it might look like little things, but he's had them in his life quite a bit. All of these little things from the little <laughs> basketball game he's got one in his house. So don't think that, <laughs> I was good at that one before yeah. I had it in the house. So yeah, yeah you but you. Know. Probably but play, we grew
2: up with a basketball goal here, yeah. and we played knockout and all the time, and, right? So yeah, it's around like the world, yeah. you
1: know, growing up, like even even here, you know, we had the. The basketball court we had the ping-pong table you know so you came from a, a competitive you know family to down here when we when they weren't riding you know as if you know I would say since MTF opened to, until now you know it's very competitive but it's a family and everybody has fun together off the bike and they're very competitive right so whatever they're doing there everybody's elevating each other you know and then the next day if he was the best at basketball you know, somebody else, whether it was Cooper Webb or whoever it might have been, you know, is going to be like, hey, you want to play basketball again? You know, I'm going to get you today. And it just is, a, it's a competition. It's a competition in everything, you know, from an, from an athlete. That's, they just want to be better than that person in whatever they're doing. So they're going to challenge them the next day from ping pong. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many ping pong tournaments there were here, you know, every single day, you know, because it gets in a phase that, you know, if ping pong's a new thing, It's a thing for, you know, at least six months, you know, and it's a grind every single day. day. (laughs) And
2: my, like, as a kid, like, well, my dad was always big, like, on, you know, whether it was riding or whatever it was, like, as long as I gave 100%, like, like, he wasn't gonna be mad at me whenever I came off the track or something, you know, I didn't have to worry, like, if he felt like I wasn't giving 100%, then he might be mad, but he didn't care if I finished 30th or first. Like, even if I finished first, but he felt like I didn't try my hardest or something, you know, I didn't do something that I should have been doing or whatever, then he may be mad or whatever. But, like, that was, like, all throughout my life. And even, like, riding dirt bikes as a kid before, you know, I even knew what Loretta's was or anything like that. Like, to ride my dirt bike, I had to get good grades. And, like, I had to get straight A's, like, I only went to school till fifth grade as, as far as public school goes, but if I didn't get straight A's like if I got B's I couldn't ride so like I always got A's you know, like whatever it was like, but I was it, it Wasn't like that hard for me because like, I wanted to be good at everything I did like even in class like if we were doing a, a test, you know, like I want to be the first one to finish the test and I wanted to get the best grade on the test. You know, like it wasn't just like, I want to be the first one. I wanted to get the best grade as well, but I didn't want someone to do the test faster than me, you know? So I was like, but I mean, that's just how I grew up. I'm not as bad like that now, but I don't
1: know if I ever took it to that extent that I didn't want them to be done before me. Yeah,
2: no, I did. I really <laughs> did. And I just, I mean, that's
1: pretty, I never, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that I was like, hmm, okay. yeah, I know. That's, that's I, I've extra- always been like, I'll take as long as I need to get the
0: best grade. It was never like, damn it! He just turned his in first. Yeah, I, know, I, I would. I I bet remember. I, he, if
1: he got a better grade than me, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah. I remember, like, how did he finish? <laughs> hey, Johnny, what going, was your grade? And, <laughs> how yeah. did he
2: finish that test? So fast? I was going as fast, as I, you know, like that, but that's how <laughs> it I was. Such
0: a bad strategy. <laughs> hey, but hey, it worked it, out. It did work, and we talk all the time, especially <laughs> on the podcast. We talk about how it's it's such a personality trait. Like the people that make it as a professional athlete. It's a personality. It's who they are to the core. And it's something that, like, that's definitely what they saw in you when you came to MTF. It was the things that you can't teach. It was the the fact that, like, you can encourage people to not quit. You can encourage them to not pull off the track when they get tired or when they get frustrated at a drill. Like, you can try to convince them to stay on the track and keep going. But the ones that make it are the ones that you have to convince them to come off the track. Or you have to convince them to slow down a little bit because they're going to hurt themselves. So. You know, yeah, just... I,
1: I mean, and I don't know if it's so much you have to convince them to come off the track, but you definitely don't have to pull them, right? Like yeah. if you're telling, and from him to anybody that's really made it through here, they're really gonna pretty much do what you tell them to, especially at a young age, you know. And they're gonna give it a hundred and ten percent, you know. That's you know, I can say that coming through and seeing the guys that have come through here. You know, I mean, you you don't know who's gonna make it, but By about 13 or 14, you know, you can kind of have an idea of their work ethic, you know, if they really, really have a chance as far as making it, I think.
0: Well, and I would say, too, that, like, yes, there have been people in the past that prove you wrong. You know, like, Luca, I know you were very clear that she did not think he was going to make—you told him to to his face multiple times that— you would be able to come out of retirement anytime and, and beat him in a race. Yeah. yeah. But,
1: and then that's a totally different side, but he started working. Right. Yeah. And that's where, if you're working, you can be, you can be horrible. You know, Dakota, Alex was horrible when he came, you know, another, I wasn't very good. Either. I mean, I did get fifth the Loretta's, But, <laughs> yeah, that, <and laughs> but I, like, I say the same thing. Like I wasn't good on sixties. And then people are like, well, you did win Loretta's on sixties. Yeah. You know, and, I, yeah,
2: I, I would send it for sure. But like, yeah i mean i was definitely whenever i started at mtf like i was definitely the slowest one at mtf but
1: it was a different time it was a different time for and sure. you were the only but, 11 year old at mtf yeah too. <laughs> i was the youngest
2: and but like whenever i started like funny i don't know if you ever heard this story but like i was really bad in the rollers like
1: specifically i mean i crashed a lot i still crash a lot like Never he wrote, fix it like <laughs> Jordan. Be knees forward a little bit now sometimes, but back then, <laughs> yeah. boy, yeah, his and knees so forward.
2: we would work like the rollers a lot back then. Like Colleen, like just I mean, you know how she is, like with whoops and roller sight. Like, they're probably not the forgiving ones we have right yeah, now. The, right? Yeah, yeah, they they were a lot gnarlier back. I mean, the track <laughs> yeah, in general, the track in general is a lot gnarlier. Like, I mean, I was scared to death every day riding like oh for God. the first session because. Like I mean, like we were just talking about, like I didn't want to be the one not hitting the jump, and like I was eleven, you know. Dakota was here; he was probably he's two years older than me. Savachi was here, two years older than me. Um, Jacob Hayes was here; he's a few years older than me. Like there was Jay Sowen was here, two years older. Than me. So there's like all these guys that are like winning the super mini class, winning twelve to thirteen, and I'm trying to keep up with them, and I'm only eleven, and I'm not winning my class, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Like, I didn't want to be the only one not hitting it. Like, if they're hitting it, I'm on the same bike, I want to be hitting it, you know. So, but we would work rollers a lot. And for the first three months that I was at MTF, and I'm not exaggerating this, I crashed in the rollers every single day. Hard. Every every single day. (laughs) And not like some days we'd be working them, and some days it would just be in a moto but I mean just eat it dude I would swap out I think because my knees were so far forward and I would swap out every day and <clears throat> like we'd be I remember I remember specifically working the rollers one day and uh, there was a step up behind the pond and you went into a set of rollers and I mean they're they're fast rollers like I mean you're just, you're hitting this step up fourth gear wide open all the way down that straightaway and they're big <laughs> steep rollers from what I remember and uh, we're working them. And Colleen has, you know, like go going as an example. Is at the end of the day, I think, and she's like, all right, uh, you know, this person, this person go. So they go and do it two times, and then this person, this person go. Well, there was an uneven number, so who was going last? Yes. Me. She's like, all right, roadkill, let's go. All right, roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I went made it through him without crashing. Um, but, yeah, I think it took me, like, three months uh, to go de- just a day without crashing the rollers. Not a day without crashing, but Dang, in Dang, we could
1: have put you, like, Llama. He's the... he was. the, the I was I was, to <laughs> to Bring up Llama. I was.
2: And then, who was... Um, Nate was working on the track. Wasn't there a guy named Will? Uh,
1: yeah. I don't know Nate, I don't know it Nate might have been Nate
2: actually someone someone came out to me before I was riding out for the warm- up one day and they were watering the track there ripping it or something he stopped me he's like I'll give you a hundred dollars if you don't crash today I think that was the first day I didn't crash I made it all the <laughs> way through that day without crashing
1: wow big you
2: know, day yeah big day it was, it was uh did
1: yeah, he give expensive. you a hundred.
2: Think so? Maybe not. Might need to hit up Nate and see. He might still owe me that hundred.
1: <laughs> I'll give you his number. Okay. Hit him up. Hey, do you remember at thirteen? Our... I think it was Nate because I Probably think was. I think I've talked to him. That about would be it before. funny if you said that.
0: Yeah. Well, props to you for not giving up after all those consecutive days of crashing. Like I know, like we have to bring up Llama Coleman McNeese. You know, maybe wasn't the fastest dude, but man, did he make an impression on MTF? Like people oh. still talk about him. I- his famous scrub his you know and like the, <laughs> I, the I definitely missed the
1: window with him if i if you have one of those um <laughs> gopro i mean you wouldn't it wouldn't be a gopro but they have where the drone follows you around but yeah. if you had the gps <sighs> i mean even like paul parabinos he loves the guy because i would send him clips occasionally and oh, yeah. even at um mini o's the one time i'm like i showed paul that who he was and i, I was like watch this guy he watches. He watches them for like, literally a half a lap. He comes by us. He triples. The, the it goes like little step up in front of us, then a triple. And there's three guys double it. He triples. <laughs> boom, <laughs> carnage. Like like a bowling bowling alley. Just <laughs> they're down. He comes over and like I was like Paul, come on, we'll go talk to him. And I was like, what were you doing? He's like, what was I supposed to do? I I had to try the triple. Yeah. You know, they were doubling and I mean, oh, I got to get that triple to go race, it, you know? Yeah. Dude, it's so crazy to have a
0: guy be here. He wasn't even here that long, but the, the number of stories and videos and, I mean, how long did it take him to get that pizza party? You bet him, you said the first day that you go without crashing, we'll buy pizza for everybody at MTF. Yeah. How long did it take him to get that? It, it was, was he
1: He I, he started in September or maybe got here at the beginning of October i want to say it was january or february <laughs> his first day without crashing yeah and then like he te- i'm like all right I pizza would see party. I he's would... like on my pizza i want i'm like <laughs> am i buying everybody at the facility a pizza that, uh- <laughs> dude,
0: <laughs> like this is a serious party dude he could put it down yeah too. He, oh, could
1: eat. he i was like i'll get you your own pizza and he put it down
0: oh i'm sure what were you gonna say jordan
2: oh i'm just gonna say like yeah i mean i saw him multiple times like crash on the turn track i mean you just see him just grab the front brake so hard that the front wheel locks yeah. up <laughs> and he's mad he gets up goes in the next turn crashes again and you're just like dang it mama like
1: poor guy oh but are grinded yeah, like you i mean day clear. one it was it was day one we were working a section and we had a big step up in the back that it wasn't very big but for somebody that wasn't that advanced it looked big right like a bigger face a bigger downside but you could hit it pretty slow, brrr, up You know, he and he's on a 450, right? C guy, no reason to no. He didn't need to be on a 450, but he's like, I, I want to do that. I'm like, Mama, we're working this turn. You can't even get through this turn. You know, every two times you're crashing. Let's not worry about this jump right now. Let's like work on some stuff. He's like, I want to do it, man. I'm like, so he taught like he pulls somebody like goes over my head, pulls somebody off to the side. I don't know if It, it might have been like. I don't know who it was, Nick Glory or somebody. Uh, and they're like, third gear, nice steady throttle. And so we all stop, and Llama doesn't stop. He goes one more time around. <laughs> Brr, He's still going up on the downside. I'm just like... <laughs> like, he's the downside, and it's pretty high step. him and he's still going up. I'm like... <laughs> On, just like we, me on the table. Yeah, table. just literally, I start going over there because I know he's crashing. Like, yeah. He's not good enough to be able to take this impact. Just <laughs> like <a> pancake. <laughs> he's like, I made it. Uh, I'm like, yeah, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> you maybe you'll start listening, but he yeah, didn't.
0: Great kid. He had the best heart. He was one of the nice kids I've ever met. But we might have to. Got some you some stories.
1: M- you might have to just plug in, and we I can go La- find it from llama you. We need llama on the. Yeah, yeah we do. I'll, I'll, I'll pull the the whip from the Instagram and you can just plug that in real quick when he goes, hey, film Dude. me. So I'm like, uh-oh. filmed that be- J-Hop? J-Hop filmed it. No, yeah. I think I might have been filming, but J-Hop was there and you can uh, hear, hear him. Oh, you hear him. Oh, <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> Dude, cause he tossed that thing sideways way bigger than yeah. he ever had and it showed
1: because it didn't come back. Yeah, and I didn't really want the language on, on the Instagram, but I was like... I have to put it, right? Like, <laughs> if the boot fits, <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's good times. Good times oh, with him. Yeah. All right, so let's let's take it back a little bit. As a professional, I feel like you almost have, in, in the current field, you might have some of the most experience with different teams. I don't know if you view that as a, a good thing or a bad thing, but you've been on a lot of teams between GEICO, TLD, PC, Firepower, and then now on Star, like, do you, did you take something productive from each team? Did you view it as, you know, like each new team is like, hit the reset button, you know, or was there any carryover? Uh, I mean, yes and no, I would say. Like,
2: I think that um, each team had like its own, you know, pros and cons to it, you know? Um, it's, it's hard to say, like, if I took anything over because, you know, like, going from GEICO to TLD, like, I was definitely, like, looking for a fresh start there. Um, I didn't feel like my first couple years on GEICO were how I wanted them to go. I didn't think that um, I reached even close to my potential of how it could have went, you know. Um, and uh, so going to TLD was a fresh restart. But, like, each one... Like, I stayed training here at MTF until I just started, like, riding for STAR and training over there. So um, as far as, like, the training stuff went, like, that wasn't a reset. Like, more, you know, the GEICO thing, I think that um, there was just some people over there that didn't necessarily believe in me. Like, I believed in myself. Um, I don't think that they – some of the people – didn't think that i had what it took or whatever you want to say you know but i felt like that was like a reset like going to tld was a fresh new start tk brought a lot of um you know new i don't know how to really say it but you know like we worked well really well together like me and tk and even tk and brian worked good together um yeah. we saw things from kind of the same angle i would say most of the time and uh that was really good um and then we started kind of struggling with the bike whenever they came out with a new bike and um, then decided to, to go to PC. And um, just, that was, just, I was hurt the whole time I was there. So I, out, out of all the teams, like, I spent a lot of time on Geico. Like, I was amateur with them for two years, two years pro with them. Um, I, like, I knew everyone there really, really good. Um, I had known Ziggy since I started training here at MTF whenever I was 11 years old. Like, uh, he actually um was one of the reasons why i stayed on 65s my last year like i wanted off i was a pretty big kid on them i wanted off of them and he taught me to stay and we did some suspension testing probably one of the better things for my career was choosing to stay on the 65 because i won my first titles that year got used to winning um almost won loretta's and then you know so as a kid, like I wanted to be on Geico because I knew Ziggy. Like we we're we we're tight with Ziggy, and that was my goal. So whenever I got to there, like I was so pumped. And then, um, and then going to TLD, I was there for for three years. And like I said, like TK, like it was a, a little bit of a smaller team, I would say. Just um, as far as like there wasn't just like it wasn't a huge operation. Um, and. They were a relatively young team at the time, weren't they? Uh, Uh, Not really. I mean, they had, like, I would say young was more like whenever they were on the Hondas, and they were, like, truly, like, a satellite team, you know, from, Mm. like, they they may have got, like, some factory support, but they were, I mean, I know at one point they were paying Mitch to do their motors whenever they were racing against them, you know? Right. So, like, by the time I went to TLD, I think it was their second or third year on KTMs. So, like, they were, like, the full factory KTM team, you know, we, we were getting everything factory so i it wasn't small by any means because we still had the ktm support but the team itself was like small like a really good group of people like we i s- literally still talked to like every mechanic and every like the truck driver and and Shay, which was tk's like you know she was like doing the media and and all that stuff and um my mechanic and you know, like that that was like one of the coolest teams i'd ever been on like just the vibe everything was really cool when you see
0: um, sorry to cut you off, but like it seems like the people that go to t l d they want to hang around like Pierce doesn't seem like he's looking for anything else and obviously justin has been seems like he's having a great time on the team like it seems like the culture's yep yeah. really good I,
1: I would say even because I've been a part you know with him his career and traveled with him quite a bit it was definitely the easiest team for me to work with to communicate with feedback that he would give me it was easy for me to reach out to t k and you know, not butt heads and try to find a solution to the problem and work together on, you know, n- not finger pointing. You know, sometimes I think people think you're finger pointing when you're just trying to find the best answer. You know, when sometimes, you know, I just don't think it's working the bike or whatever it may be. You know, they think you're blaming, you know, that instead of just working together to try to find a comfort for the the athlete. You know, that's the the biggest thing. It was easy at at TLD to find that you know and and work with them and you know I had a great relationship with his mechanic as well you know even like you said Shay was great to work with everybody at, at the the truck driver everybody was awesome so it was pretty easy to show up and you know have a smile on your face and and enjoy the day with with the TLD team I think yeah I think cool. I think
2: like the one of the biggest differences between like let's just say for for example was tld and then the two the two years before that on geico was you know on tld like if we were here and we were struggling with something or you know whatever it is like if we wanted to bring it up like if i wanted to call tk like it wasn't like oh man what's tk gonna say about that or you know or anything like or like even if if brian had something that he wanted to bring up like maybe without telling me or something like brian could call tk you know and like everyone was working together really good like instead of like like tk trusted us enough here that he knew like he just knew how i was knew how brian was like knew that we wanted what was like best you know and like i don't think that that like just immediately happened like the minute i signed with them i think that we gained that trust over the first year with the team for sure and um and yeah, we like, he just saw that we saw everything from the same kind of angle. I think we, we didn't really like, none of us butted heads on much of anything.
1: So, um, and I think, yeah, he was involved enough to see that, you know, where Ziggy at the time when you decided to make that transition from Geico had kind of pulled away a little bit. Yeah, Ziggy, you know? Ziggy, Ziggy wasn't involved as much until Ziggy, I, uh,
2: the very end of very my last end, year, yeah. whenever I had basically already made the decision to leave the team. Yeah. So, yeah it was um it was and then you know like even leaving geico a lot of the stuff that i um i was complaining about wasn't happy about like so much of that changed after i left like once ziggy did get more involved and kind of see what was going on and stuff um so you know it's one of those things like i wish that that could have worked out better because that was my dream team as a kid and and I love Ziggy and, and everything. And, and I, I like that team, too. Like, don't get me wrong. There was a lot of people I liked on it, but there was also some people that we butted heads with. Um, and then moving from TLD to PC, it was just like I, I was coming off of a wrist injury my last year on TLD that I didn't break my wrist. I didn't tear anything in my wrist, but we didn't know what I did. Uh, you had just started working full-time here, and we yep. were trying to get it figured out. and um I had two surgeries on it and like still like no one really knew what was wrong with it. And it, I mean, you, you were here throughout that whole time, but it was like, every time that I talked to Mitch, I was calling him to tell him I was hurt. And I, t- I actually talked to Mitch at one of the super crush rounds this year. Um, he was going back after practice and I was standing outside the truck and he stopped and we talked for maybe five, 10 minutes. And he's like, man, I still believe in you. He's like, I was like, I was like, I've f- like, I tell people all the time like they're like oh how's Mitch and I was like I don't really know because like I didn't really get to work with Mitch like it was always like every time I I literally the first week on the bike I showed up and it was my first time riding since my second wrist surgery so I didn't even know if I was gonna be able to ride like because my wrist was still bothering me and I'm like I don't even know if I can ride but I'm gonna go out there and see and I could and then I think I rode four days that week, and on the fourth day, I was doing no breaks at the end of the day, and rock fell in the rut, hit it, Mm -hmm. and hurt my knee. Didn't, like, fully blow out my knee, but hurt my knee bad enough that I had to take a a month off. So, that was the first week with PC. then I come back, and we go with, you know, I I twisted my ankle, and then um, we got into the season, and I tore my ACL. And then, so, missed that whole season, and then... Whenever I came back, I was riding really, really good and fell, hurt my thumb. So then I had to get surgery on my thumb right before the season started. And then three or four races into that season, I dislocated my shoulder, ruined it, had to get, so I was out. So I mean, it was literally like from the first week I started riding for them, I was hurt the whole time. And like up until that point, I really hadn't had a ton of like, bad injuries in my career, like, where I missed extended amounts of time. Like The only <clears> one was whenever I was my first ever A race, uh, mini O's, I broke my femur. Um, and other than that, like, I really hadn't had any major injuries. So it was, like, just really frustrating because I felt like – before I hurt my wrist in 19, that was, like, the best I'd ever felt. And I felt like I was, like, just really getting to where, like, I was feeling good. And then going to PC, like, I was super excited because – obviously everyone knows Mitch and the and whole PC. PC team Yeah, yeah. is good. And so.
1: I think like even talking about TLD, I think PC would have been the same way. You know, the little bit that I do interact with, with Mitch, he's awesome. You know, he wants to win super bad, you know? So it was almost a year, I think before Mitch even saw Jordan, and what he really put into his riding and what he wanted to do and learned him a little bit as an athlete. Cause he was out there for that month, you know, and, and saw him grinding and what, you know, he's willing to work all day if that what it takes. But I think that first year people even questioned, like, does he want to ride, yeah. you know, because it was like one thing after another. And some of them were little things that, you know, almost seemed like he was just saying that it hurt, you know, But then eventually learned who he is as an athlete. And that's why Mitch, you know, probably says, I still believe in you, you know, because the little bit that he did get to see, you know, which if he was healthy for two years, I think it would have been an awesome team to build with. And, you know, the whole team in general would have really been able to put a great package together, I think, for him.
0: Well, and I think that it it probably helps too that, like you say, he never really got to see you ride. And and I know that it was just like, just kind of one big shit show with, you know the different injuries and and the two years it was two years you're with them, right yep. mm-hmm. the two years you were with them probably just felt like a blur of just kind of crap hitting the fan but you know even when you raced i think it was tampa like you got it was a the i want to say it was the first round of the first round i was able to go to and you were p2 and qualifying you know like so obviously you showed signs of speed and you were looking good it's just that's when the injuries came so it's not like you weren't giving them a reason to believe in you even though they didn't get to see you ride every day and train and it's really hard for, you know, for people like Brian and myself when you have to go to California for a month because you don't realize how much you lose the pulse when you don't get to see and interact with them every day. Yeah. You know, and to have to give all your workouts remotely and not take, you know, to watch you walk in the gym and for him to see you roll out on the track and just to get phone calls and, and texts about how the days went, you know, that's that's definitely a big challenge for, for you and for us.
2: Yeah. And it's, I think it's I think one thing that I didn't always struggle with throughout my career, but definitely didn't help certain situations. Was the opposite end of that it was me being here with the teams being out there, and mm-hmm. you know, like that was the one thing about like TK. Like, he came here a few times, like, he saw what MTF's about, like, he saw how hard we work, how legit we do things as far as you know, being on time, like, you know, how like because some people think that's <laughs> just like, oh, you just show up to the gym when you want, you show up on the track when you want kind of do you know what you want and he tells you to keep your elbows up but that's not how it is you know like right. we have a certain time on the track you have a certain plan for the track he has a plan you have a plan you know like that's how it was so yeah and,
1: um, and i would build off of that you know we do have a big amateur program here you know so it's like well how can you have such a big amateur program and have a good pro program right like sometimes i think they'll they'll think that as well you know but we have a good group of people you're very organized we're very organized with what we do we have a great great group that does the tracks, so we have great tracks always you know so i think all around people just from the outside looking in think that it can't be managed well you know and and we're able to do that very well you know with the group that we have you know it's not just one person that that makes that happen mm-hmm. um it's a it's a really good group of people and you know it it makes it i wouldn't say easier but makes it doable with everything that we do have here right like to you know make everything happen in such a short period of time from the warm-ups to the gym to the riding to the recovery right we have so much right here on the facility that we're able to really get a productive day and sometimes a short amount of time
0: well even take into account like cannon you know cannon's first day here he crashed broke his elbow needed surgery and through he he did like basically a month straight of recovery, and you know he would use our chamber and our acoustic, and we would do any type of rehab exercises, and we kept working out every day, twice a day. And even though he his only experience with MTF so far was being hurt, he decided to be a full time member. Yeah. Right, like that just shows you that we're doing something right. Even yeah. though the guy's not riding, the main reason you come, like there's still there's a professionalism and an organization that. Just makes you feel like, man, this place is legit. Like, I want to, I want to train here. Yeah. It's hard, for like, you know, for a team, you know,
2: like whether it was, you know, on the, the team manager or on Geico, Mike Larocco, like if you don't, if you're not here or like wherever you are, if they're not seeing you walk in the chamber and sit there for an hour or two hours and then see you get out and go on the beamer for 30 minutes and then go and do this or that and work out and do your bike rides, like if they don't see you doing that, you know, like they don't they don't know you're doing it, you know? And yeah. so, like, where, you know, yeah. like, whenever I was on Geico, a lot of the guys were in California. Um, Like, Christian Craig was on the team, and he was out there, and, like, he would go to the shop every day. Like, he would do bike rides from the shop, you know? So, like, they see him doing that, like, doing the work. And, like, whether I was working harder or not as hard, like, they don't know, you know, because of, and they, you know. So, I think it was, like, a little bit difficult at times, but, you know, TK, <laughs> like, let me do whatever um and and pc was good about it too but then we were i was in california for quite a while like trying whenever we got the new bike because you know i mean they'll test till till dark and we were trying to get that dialed in and stuff so um yeah it was it was good and then like from your original question like did i have a fresh start like then like going to firepower like i think that was my biggest fresh start because i had spent almost two years away from racing well really almost three um with my wrist injury in 19. Um, I had spent a lot of time away from racing, and I I just, it was a completely different vibe, like, yeah, going to Firepower. and we
1: hadn't talked about that at all yet, and, you know, he talked to me. He had a, another team offer as well, you know, and we sat down, what was the best option, you know, and we talked about, you know, Firepower is coming up with this. New team, they're you know gonna be here and you know it wasn't a new team. They had already done it here a little bit, but they hadn't really had the results that I think that he wanted. You know to say he was gonna do it. You know, and then obviously Marty, yeah, Marty was in. But was Marty involved when you? No, not yet. Yeah, I didn't think we kind of
2: like brought it up because you know is from Australia and he has like his own, like he's Honda in Australia, so he has so much going on there. You know that you know i had talked to some people and stuff and they're like it's he's awesome but sometimes he just he kind of takes too much on you know so that was one of the things we had talked to him about bringing marty on and stuff and um yeah it was kind of like for me uh it was a big like big leap of faith for sure like we ran the team out of my house for the first like three months or so that i I I wrote for him. i got it like i literally cleaned my whole garage out um everything and we had parts racks in the garage bikes um j-hop my mechanic and mac which was jared's mechanic was working on our bikes out of there and i uh, have a shed outside that was full of tires and parts and gas and um we ran out of there for until like a month before east coast started i think and it was a brand new bike and we were on a stock bike for a while and um, but I think that like that kind of goes back to that thing that like where we were talking about at the beginning like no matter what I did like as a kid and I still do it now it's like I want to just do the best that I can like with what I have you know like whatever it is like I want to like my dad told me give it 100% no matter what like if you're not giving 100% then it's not worth doing you know so like I still I mean I train just like or harder than I was, than I was on a a factory team, you know, like we didn't do anything different. Um, the only thing that was different was, you know, you couldn't test and try this and that, and the bike wasn't as fast and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I mean, I feel like I didn't really make excuses about any oh, of that and, stuff and ever.
1: Like you no. just said, it was out of your garage. And I think a lot of people, you know, if that if they came to you with that and, but I think you went to them and were like, well, we don't have anywhere. Let's do it in my garage, you know, and clean it out. And Marty, you know, then was involved and he's in there. He's at home Depot or wherever buying, you know, racks and bringing them in there and trying to organize every, everything. And everybody was just doing whatever they could to make the best of it and not looking at any negative, right. Where some people would look at like, you're doing what out of the rider's garage, you know, and, and there's probably people that don't even know that and because it didn't matter everybody in that circle you know which we hadn't talked about the firepower team you know i would say it was such a good group of people then you know and probably your biggest deciding factor to go that route was when you know you talked to everybody and and ziggy and and mike you know we're going to be involved you know yeah. going back to the beginning of geico you know where he left because he wasn't ha- happy at the time you know or uh didn't totally agree with everybody. Once the people that really started Geico said they were on board with this team, he was, he was back all in, yep. you know, it was Ziggy, Mike case, people that he believed in, you know, he felt like, Hey, if I can work hard, my suspension's good. We'll get a good enough motor package. We'll figure that out. And it just got better as the year went, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the group of people from, even mm.
2: with a lot of, we had so many, like, just things that, like, other people could have made excuses, but, like, we only physically, like, tested with, a like, a suspension person. Like, even though, like, Ziggy and Mike were on board, like, it ended up not working out that well because, because Mike got COVID, COVID couldn't come from Canada. So, like, we tested with a suspension guy there, I think, two days, and it was in, like, December, and we had it we didn't even have an exhaust on the bike we had we had like a piston like uh twisted had done a little bit of work to the engine but like he didn't have the parts to make a a good motor so that was what we tested with and uh we tested here and the track wasn't like fully like steepened up yet i don't think and we went to um down to 83 and rode like the next week and i was like ziggy mike we gotta make this stuff stiffer because i'm bottoming everywhere and uh so like a lot of our testing was like videos to mike from yeah i was gonna say to that,
1: you know almost daily marty was filming and sending it to mike you know yeah. and plus lap times you know it was like you know he had a book that he would literally every lap time what the conditions were what what he felt like you know i think even what time he woke up that morning <laughs> yeah it was so detailed. yeah it
2: was yeah it was really detailed and we did the best that we could for sure and then um yeah it was Mike Mike ended up coming to like the last two or three supercross he's like man like I wish I could have been here the whole time you know and I was the same way but we did the best we could and uh yeah I mean I think at the end of the day it worked out but I think that it was a combination of you know Marty putting in a ton of hard work you know and and Martine also like same as me but Martine has rode for a factory team his whole life so like we knew how like as far as martin rode for a factory team his whole life and now he's our team manager um you know Yurif, he knows what it takes as well because he's worked with justin Brayton. you know a lot of a lot of really fast guys and he runs a factory team in australia mm-hmm. um j-hop my mechanic had been he's been my mechanic since 2012 so he's worked on my geico bikes he's worked on my pc bikes he's worked on my tld bikes he's worked on everything So with that, um, you know, all those pieces and then me really just trying to not make any excuses and just do the best I could on it where, you know, there's other people that I've rode with, trained with, whatever. And I like look at them, I'm like, like making a lot of excuses. And I'm like, Hmm. is it that bad? You know, like because I was on a factory team at the time. And it's like, I feel like that's not that big of a deal, you know, like or I could I could. Like it, it sucks, but I could deal with it, you know, and and whenever I got into that situation, like that's what I try to do is just deal with whatever it was, you know, and, and so. So it didn't change like you.
1: No, I don't think
2: my like my mindset on that didn't change. Like, I still am like, you can deal with it. You know, you can get. Yeah, why that. was that guy complaining so yeah.
1: much? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not even complaining. Sometimes, you know, they'll be like, I'm depressed, you know, because, you know, I uh, I broke my arm or, you know, whatever's happening you know it sucks right you know but it's like really you're still gonna come back you know whether it's a guy that you know dad pays for things because you know, sometimes it's the person that's depressed or complaining or you know my life's so bad they're not working they're riding a dirt bike you know yeah they're maybe not making six figures or whatever but they're not waking up at seven thirty and going and pouring concrete you know they're actually doing most kids dream you know if you if that if that person that was complaining went up to most normal 19 20 21 or 25 year olds and like hey i uh, you know this is what i do and they look at them like wow you're lucky you know (laughs) that's pretty much you know even like he's saying he made we made the best of it and and everybody involved made the best of it even on that firepower t- you know on the firepower team because we hadn't talked about that and i would say you know him going to that team and marty going to that team and everything that was done you know helped max the following year you know because oh, marty marty saw everything that was done and what can we improve on you know we need a better a little bit better of a motor to be competitive with these guys you know it's still not where he wants to be i don't think but yeah. he's a we, lot closer you yeah know?
2: and like i mean i mean like, props to everyone, like, everyone, like, we had a stock bike in November with no parts, you know, like, not, like, we, I think our bike showed up in November, and we raced in February, you know, and I think I got sixth in the points, I think, and that's with, um, a mechanical at Atlanta, and broke my finger in Atlanta, but still raced, and then, um, some, I think one of the other rounds something happened, but yeah, I mean still was a pretty good season Like we started from nothing way too close to the season, you know, like way too close So it was uh, and then but like that to me like in my career Like looking at that now and like even during that time Like I felt like a rookie again that year Like I did just because it had been so long since I raced like I didn't remember like I mean, obviously you remember what it feels like but like you get back out there and you start racing and like you know, I was struggling, like, struggling to finish top five, you know? Like, I didn't feel – like, whenever going into the season, I felt like I was riding pretty good and, like, I could go out there and, and maybe podium the first round. But then after that, like, it, I started seeing, like, it was going to be a lot harder to get on the podium. I still felt like I could get a podium maybe, but, like, a win was probably out of the question unless like, something happened, you know? But, like, I had to learn that all again. And even going from that to star this year, like – I felt like it was my second year pro not my eighth year pro you know and that that's Mm -hmm. really like and i've said this in some other interviews that i feel like i've had two different careers and it's from i turned pro to i got off pc with the injuries i mean really like from whenever i turned pro in 15 to 19 and then it's like 19 20 and 21 didn't happen like it didn't happen it's like it didn't happen is what it feels like other than my body hurts from those years (laughs) from the injuries uh so it feels like it reminds me that it did happen every morning but uh then and then 22 and now this year like is another like a fresh start to my career that's like different you know and like even all throughout this year like i got better and i learned like even at the first couple rounds like i didn't feel comfortable running up front you know like i didn't you wouldn't think that you would forget that. I mean, I had, I think like 16 podiums coming into the season, but running in the podium position at the first round, like I was tight. Well, not I had just it.
0: podiums wins. You won. Yeah. i like, had three you're wins. A previous winner. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, I mean, it took me probably like five, six rounds, to like really like start believing in myself, you know, and still don't feel like I rode like fully, like I could have this year, but, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that fresh start from one team to the next was definitely in some aspects and not in others. But at the end of the day, like I do feel like I've had two careers, one from 2015 to 2019 and then another one from 22
0: to present time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the MX Mastery Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating and review on the platform you're listening on. This helps the podcast find other people that are just as passionate about moto as we are. I'll see you guys in the next episode.